We love him. He's a brother of ours. Would you please welcome Brother Keith Hershey? Bless you, my brother. Thank you, Chip. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And good morning, everybody. You can be seated. What a great, great treat for me to hang out with you all again today. I so appreciate Pastor Mike and Beth and, of course, all the saints planted in this place and uh, your kindness to Heidi and I through the years. And, of course, the privilege just to come and be with you uh, once a year just as a great refreshment for me. So thank you for making way for this young gospel preacher. Uh, to come through and, and share with you. I've just returned to the States from, uh, from the Middle East. I've been in Beirut, Lebanon, and uh, working with our teams there. It's just uh, tremendous what God's doing. In fact, this year, we threw, uh, flew in delegates from uh, the Middle East region. We flew in 25 delegates from Egypt. We brought in over 100 delegates from Syria by bus and uh, had a great conference for about 300 leaders there in the Middle East. It was just tremendous. Uh, imparting the love of the Father to people uh, throughout all those regions. So, again, we just want to say thanks for all your help. Uh, I know with the recent uh, things in the Middle East and in Syria here in the last 48 hours or so, it's a troubled, troubled spot of the world. And, of course, we're inundated because of all the challenges in Syria with uh, uh, hundreds and thousands of refugees coming to our center. We helped over 10,000 Syrian refugees just within this last calendar year. And we're just uh, thankful to be in the midst of chaos uh, because something beautiful uh, can happen as people look to the Lamb of God. You know, Jesus Christ is your only stability. Have you, have you know, noticed that? Uh, everything else can look uh, topsy-turvy. And that's why you can't let your eyes meander too long. You'll, you'll feel your heart sink. You have to keep your eyes fixed on the love of the Lamb of God because it's uh, His love that secures all of us. And that's really some of the lyrics of the songs we sang today on the love of the Father. And I'm just so glad we've all been participants of his goodness and grace. Before I teach a little bit this morning, uh, let me show you a little video. This is what you've been doing as you've been praying and through your generosity to mutual faith. Let's watch this. Hello, friends. The gospel is all about gift. God gave Jesus as a gift to reconcile everyone, everywhere. And when we believe and receive, we too become a gift to our world. Since 1984, Mutual Faith has gifted ministry teams, life centers, mission centers, and life homes in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. Each campus, each team member is a gift to the community and to their world. Kids are rescued. Kids are educated. Refugees are restored. Life centers are built. Leaders are trained. And most importantly, the gospel is preached. Right now, we continue to build life centers in Africa. Right now, we are building village churches in the Philippines. Right now, we are supporting orphans at our life homes. We educate disadvantaged kids and refugees in Lebanon. Right now, we are sustaining many campuses for life-giving gospel teaching all over the world. Your missions partnership and friendship makes all the difference. Together, 
as we join our faith, we can be gifts to the world. All righty. Praise the Lord. So that's a little bit about what you've been up to as you've joined your faith with us since I was last with you a year ago. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Uh, you saw the little uh, screenshot at the beginning of that video, Gifts to the World. They may have that screenshot uh, again to put up uh, for you. Uh, but this is what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Gifts to the world. As he is, so are you or so are we. And this is the beauty of, of, of being a believer. And it's really the beauty to me in the gospel. You know, the gospel is all about gift. The gospel has nothing to do with merit. It has nothing to do with your good looks or your good behavior. It has nothing to do with your human capacity at all. The gospel is all about gift. It's the gospel of the gift. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. What a beautiful, beautiful phrase. Paul the Apostle writes the believers in Corinth and he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, I'm sure most of us uh, here in this sanctuary, those watching, uh, most of us enjoy receiving gifts. I know through the years, God's been uh, gracious to me and uh, people have given me gifts, whether it's family members or, you know, uh, people who just loved our, our, our work or our ministry. People through the years have given me gifts. But, you know, every gift I've ever received, I can describe. I can attach a value to it. I can put human language to it. And you can understand what those gifts were. But what God gives us is indescribable. There's really no human language for it. It has to be something that so captures your heart, it moves you. Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. I uh, recently bought my wife Heidi, actually at Christmas time, uh, some gifts uh, of, of jewelry, fine jewelry. Recently, our house was broken into, and, um, and uh, the, the thieves just went through every room. I think they were looking for drugs or meds or something. They, they didn't do very well at our house. We didn't. We didn't have anything, but uh, they kind of ransacked everything. But they found Heidi's jewelry box, and so they took all her jewelry. Uh, not that any of it was that expensive, but it was more costume jewelry or things that I've bought her through the years uh, from preaching around the world. And uh, so I thought, well, I need to start replacing uh, these gifts. So we just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary on December 23rd. So at that time... Are you clapping because Heidi's put up with me all that all those years? That's what I'd clap for. But anyway, on December 23rd through the 25th, I gave her three, three different pieces of jewelry. So what was so astonishing is that I was actually moved to go to a fine jewelry store, you know, because that's kind of uh, counter uh, my, my character to a degree, as Heidi would testify. But I bought her some nice jewelry, and I told her, listen, Heidi, uh, you know, these, if you stay with me another 35 years... 
I believe that we can replenish, you know, the jewelry that you lost. So I was making some jokes, but even though this little jewelry I bought, which wasn't all that expensive, but it's describable. It's a describable gift. It, it moved her heart. She was, she was pleased. She, she, she was delighted. But it's a describable gift. See, God's love for you in Christ is an indescribable gift. And I want you to know God gave Jesus as a gift to you. How do you calculate the value of the gift? How do you measure it or describe it? The gift of Jesus changes the equation of your eternal standing before the Father. And it's beautiful. It's life-changing. It's thrilling. It gives us hope. It gives us peace. You all very well know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave, he gifted Jesus, that whoever just believes in the gift receives everlasting life. See, it's a gift gospel. And notice the next verse that we very seldom do not read, but the next verse says, verse 17, that uh, God did not send the son, the gift, into the world to condemn the world. See, the gift has no condemnation attached to it. See, there's no strings attached. Most people, when they think of Christendom, they think there's strings attached. They think there's something they gotta do or something they gotta be. But the gospel is all about gift and it's indescribable. It's an indescribable gift with no you know, strings attached or no, no attachments to kind of pollute your, uh, your, 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 your thinking, so, so to speak. Yesterday morning, as my custom is when I wake up, I get my bearings, I receive the love of the Father, and then I just kind of check my schedule and check my emails and try to schedule my, 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 my life. Yesterday morning, I, I opened uh, my emails and it, it said that I had a fraudulent uh, use, you know, or on, on a, a credit card through, through Uber. And so it looked like a very official, you know, email from, from Uber. So I clicked some things. And when I clicked, and then when I, you know, requested a code, I thought, oh my, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. Somebody's phishing in my system. There was an attachment. That, that brought real fear to a degree and frustration. And, and so then I had to work for the next half hour and 45 minutes trying to get, you know, Apple Care and other people to help solve my problem and change passwords and, and, and try to fix my world. I, I want you to know that the gift of the Lamb of God, there's no attachments to it that, uh, that diminish who you are. There's no condemnation attached to what gifts? You have been gifted a position before the Father in Christ. Your standing before the Father has nothing to do with you. Your standing before the Father has to do with being in Christ. And faith moved you there. This is the beauty of believing and receiving the gift. It moves you out of yourself into himself. You have an in him identity. Paul the apostle would say it this way, that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness. The minute you're comfortable with not having your own righteousness is the minute you can begin to calculate the beauty of the gift. 
And this is where I want to grow to as a believer, where I have all my confidence in him and I have no confidence in the flesh. And it's a beautiful place to be because it frees your life from commissioning judgment and condemnation and being a nitpicker about everything and everyone. And I think we need to live in a, in, a, in a world where we can see people through the lens of the Lamb of God according to the redeemed innocence. This is the beauty of believing. This is the beauty of announcing the gospel of the gift in the Middle East or wherever I'm serving around the world. It is very, very important and powerful to not see people according to the equations of man or to the equations of religion, but to see people according to Christ. The gift of the world, that's indescribable. Here's the beautiful news. God gave Jesus as a gift to you. you he, he, God gave Jesus as a gift to you. He's gifted. You don't have to work to qualify. You don't have to, you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to change this, that, and the other to think you're finally in. God gave Jesus as a gift to you. It's indescribable. And this is why I love to be wrapped so much in believing the beauty of the love of the Lamb. It just gives people a point of peace. And it really re recalibrates the life for a purpose. So God gave Jesus as a gift to you. But here's the other part of the good news. Not only God gave Jesus as a gift to you, but the other part of the good news is that Jesus then gives you as a gift to God. God gives Jesus as a gift to you, and then Jesus gives you as a gift to God. Jesus re-gifts you. Have you ever received something and you thought, well, I don't need it, so you re-gifted? Anybody ever have that kind of thought? You know, uh, your church is always nice to me when I come, and they provide a wonderful room for me to rest uh, before the service and and uh, and sleep. And then, uh, but they 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 gave me some gifts. They gave me a couple of gift cards. I'm not regifting them to nobody. I'm going to use them all myself. You know what I mean? But but uh, <laughs> have you ever had something regifted? Re you know, Jesus thinks you're gift worthy. See, most of us don't consider ourselves gift worthy. But Jesus re-gifts us to the Father. And this is something that we have to begin to think of ourselves with extreme, massive beauty in the Father's eyes. Jesus gifts us to the Father. You're gift worthy. You're righteous as the Lamb himself. The Bible says you're righteous, blameless, and holy before him in love. See, in the love of the Father, God sees you not according to you. God sees you according to the Lamb. You are in him. And that's the beauty of even the old covenant types and shadows. The priest in the old covenant, when he was examining a sinner who brought a sacrifice, wouldn't examine the sinner. He would examine the sacrifice. What the priest, typical of who God is, you know, God would look at the sacrifice and inspect the sacrifice for its perfection. God never brings a judgment to the sinner. God sees the sinner in the sacrifice. And this is the beauty of the gift. It's indescribable. How can it be 
that I'm as righteous as the Lamb because righteousness is gifted. I've received, according to Romans 5, 17, and you too, we've received the gift of righteousness. We've received an abundance of grace. And if you can just believe that you receive, the Bible says you reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. All you have to know is it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gospel of a gift. Can you believe it? It takes faith to believe it. Human thinking never gets there. It requires faith to believe that the gospel is gifted to you. And this is where the strength of the Father's love captures your heart and moves you. You know, I was thinking about uh, people trying to, you know, do something for the Lord. Or, you know, in the old days, I would always try to, you know, love God enough to do something for him. But I don't think that way anymore. You know, the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 5 that the love of Christ compels me. It doesn't say my love for Christ compels me. It says the love of Christ compels me because I judge thus. I make a, I make a, I make a decision. I make a declaration that if one died, then all died. All were included in his death. And then it goes on to say that we can live unto him who rose again. See, the beauty is in believing the gift because you find the love of Christ there for you. You find that you're accepted. You find that you're favored. You find that you have righteousness. You have peace. And it's gifted. It's granted. And you believe it. And you make a judgment that one died and I'm included. And everybody is included in his death, included in his burial, and included in his resurrection. And this is the beauty of being loved by the Father. Now I'm equipped to return love to him. But my love for the Father is only reciprocal. It's the love of Christ that's astonishing. So God gave Jesus as a gift to you. And then Jesus, through his influence, through his love, re-gifts you to God. Look at the Bible. It says in John chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, it kind of talks about the phrase, Father, those you've given me, you know, um, I've, I've, I've given them back to you. And Jesus is having this high priestly prayer in John 17. He said, those you've given me, he said, I, I give them to you. He, he re-gifts you to the Father. Jesus, his influence, his love, his life brings a whole different transformation on how you and I can approve everything. The power of a gift changes everything. In fact, let's look at this little story in uh, John's Gospel chapter for Jesus, it said uh, he needed to go through Samaria. And uh, you know the story that uh, if we took time to read the whole text here, it says that the Jewish folk didn't have very good relationship with the Samaritan folk. So evidently there was racism and prejudice and all these kind of issues of the day. But Jesus made a point uh, to go out of his way. To me, this is evangelism. See, evangelism simply is allowing your life to be interrupted with somebody distinctively different than you and then revealing something that's only gift. Notice Jesus strikes up this conversation with this little lady 
And boy, if we could hear her testimony, I bet it would be full of kind of wild, uh, you know, uh, you know, stories, so to speak. Because, I mean, she'd been married five times. Uh, she was cohabiting with a dude, right? So she's, she's, she's living with a guy she's not married with. She'd been married five times. She probably lost faith in this institution called marriage. And who knows what she went through in the five marriages. But it probably was a colorful life, so to speak. And uh, she, she's there, but Jesus has a conversation with her. Notice the way the gift worked. The gift never used her past in any uh, derogatory form. He just said, yeah, I know you've been married five times, and I know the guy you're living with is not your husband, but if you knew the gift of God, he says in verse 10. I love that phrase. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who's speaking unto you. See, the gospel is all about gift. And if you could calculate the value of an indescribable gift, it moves you. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who's speaking unto you, you would ask of him. Do you know what I find? That when I'm conscious of the gospel of the gift, that everything God does in relation to my life and my world is gift-based. When I'm gift-conscious, it draws out of me to ask of him. You know the greatest thing for your prayer life is not your... uh, (laughs) not your discipline in prayer. The greatest thing for your prayer life is the revelation of the gift because the gift will draw you out to ask of him. If you knew of the gift, Jesus said, you would ask of him and he would give you. He would give you life from a different substance, life from a different source. He'd give you everything you need from another worldview. This is why... The gift's indescribable because it puts you in a point of faith. You know, Jesus is the faith of God for you. Jesus authors your faith. Jesus finishes your faith. Your faith is found, according to Paul writing to Timothy, in Christ. Grace, you know, faith, love in Christ Jesus, Paul tells Timothy. So these, 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 uh, the, the capacity for faith is just in the revelation of the Lamb, the gift of God. God gave Jesus as a gift to me. And I've been regifted to the Father. Righteous, blameless, holy, beautiful. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah. I want to live astonished with the gift of God. And then, then, then I can hang out with folk by the wells of our world. People in all kinds of chaos and pain and stories that, you know, are astounding. And never, never have them feel demeaned. You know, when this lady went to her own village, she goes to the village and says, gathers all the, the people, says, I met a man. Huh? I met a man. He told me everything about me. And she had no condemnation. Let me ask you something. Do you think somebody could sit with you and tell you that your innermost thoughts and feelings and the intent of your heart? You know, I've had some doozies of thoughts, even recently, you know what I mean? Thought, word, action, and deed. Do you think, do you think that the, the Lamb of God could sit with you and reveal everything about your human weakness? And you could have joy with no condemnation? To me, it's astonishing. 
It's astonishing because all of us are quite aware of our humanness and our frailty and even our sin, the sin of our flesh. We, we, we understand. But she had no condemnation. There was no judgment, you know, in her life from anything. She was thrilled. And notice, she became a witness without Bible verses. She came a witness without even telling anybody they're going to hell. She became a witness of the gift. See, I believe the Bible teaches, well, read that whole thing. It's in chapter 4. That people believed on him because of her word. The gift's amazing. The gift moves you. The love of Christ compels you. When you're baptized in the love of the Father, you, 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 you have no words that describe it fully, but your heart's captured it. You can't deny it. And it moves you. That... That to me is the only and the best way to be motivated for anything. It's the way I'm I'm motivated in ministry. I don't do things just to do things. I don't have the energy anymore. But the love of God compels me. I'm astonished with an indescribable gift that says I'm righteous. It amazes me because I know me. To think that the gift would sit with a little lady and tell her everything about her life and she was thrilled with no judgment or condemnation. What a wonderful name it is. We have a wonderful Savior. We have a wonderful, wonderful Redeemer. Look at the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 10. It says, as each one, as each one, as each one has received a gift, minister it one to another. As each one has received a gift, minister it one to another. Do you know you're gifted? You're gifted. And we, we have to find ways within our own personalities, within our own, you know, occupations, within our own way, our cultural backgrounds, everything. We need to find a way to trigger our gift, to, to activate the gift of God. I think if Jesus could take time and go through Samaria and sit by a well and just watch and kind of read the environment and then have a conversation to astonish somebody of the love of God with an indescribable love. Not a love that says, uh, now listen, this love is available if you do this, 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 and this, and this. No, 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 no. This is a love that just overwhelms you in all of your uh, brokenness. It overwhelms you in all of your dysfunction. 
It swallows you up even in your sin. See, do you think God's that good? Do you think, do you think God is that indescribable? Do you, do, you think, do you think that that salvation of the Samaritan woman, do you think that was genuine? I mean, she doesn't say she prayed a prayer, doesn't say she confessed her sins, doesn't say she did nothing but be astonished at the Lamb. You know, uh, God gave Jesus as a gift to us. Then Jesus made us gifts to the world and he re-gifts us to the Father. But we've got to use our gift as each one has received a gift. Are you, can you believe your gift worthy? Do, do you believe you have something to say? You don't even need things to say. You just need, you just need the hugs to give. You, you just need to find a place where somebody can be accepted. Uh, recently, right before I went to the Middle East, this couple came by our office and, and, uh, at the Life Center, Life Center USA, up in the San Fernando Valley. Asked if they could talk to me. I said, sure, come on in, you know. So they're sitting there. They've been married, I don't know, 10 years or something. And... Uh, you know, they're sitting there, cold as ice toward each other. And I thought, well, okay, how are you all doing, you know? And we have our little conversation, and everything's done, everything's finished, everything's over. Life is uh, just a pile of trash, you know? I said, okay, well, you know, it doesn't seem like right now is a good time to give you uh, any help. And, and, and I said, but that's, that, that, that's okay. I, I really don't have human help for you. But one thing I would, I would encourage you to do. So the guy who seemed to know everything, uh, you know, he, he, he glances a look at me. And I said, you know, friend, I said, uh, I think the only thing that can ever help you now and help your wife now is if you learn to be loved by the Father. And tell your love by the Father. You'll never find help for this marriage or your next one or the one down the road. Until you love by the Father. Then about uh, two weeks ago, I saw them. When I came back from the Middle East, they come back to the center. And this guy's like, what? He looked angelic compared to, you know. <laughs> And he wanted a hug. I thought, I don't know if he's ever hugged. I gave him a hug and he held me. He said, I've learned to be loved. Now his marriage is mending. Having a good time. 
this isn't very good preaching, but it's good crying. And you know, sometimes good crying goes with poor preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're a gift to the world, friend. You better see yourself the way God sees you or you will eternally live disappointed. And you'll pick yourself to pieces and you'll be a nitpicker to your spouse, to your kids, to the visiting preacher. (laughs) The love of the Father. Look at Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 11. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful Plotting, but speaking the truth in love, grew up into all things, into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we're gifts to the world, God gives us gifts. He gives gifts to man. And this is actually the this text really talks about God gives gifts to men. Speaking of, of the ministry gifts, but just uh, all of us, one to another. We, we build one another up in the love of the Father. And it's, it's very, very, very important. In our, in our society today, in our culture, in our world, we, we, we need to figure out how to, to have conversations from the perspective of the Father's view um, in Christ. Um, otherwise, it's, it's just hard to communicate according to the the knowledge of, of our flesh. It's, it's, it's really, really trouble. I remember many years ago, and I want to tell you this little story because I know recently uh, Billy Graham, that was in the news a lot, went to heaven at 99 years old. But I remember when I first started in ministry, I uh, finished university in 1979. I got a bachelor's degree in communications and business and thought I would go into, I don't know, public relations or something. But the Lord worked in my heart in... Uh, the spring of 1979, and, and I started actually watching uh, a television preacher, uh, Fred Price, on TV, and I learned about faith. I learned about who I was in Christ, and then I learned about Brother Hagen and m- many other people. I started learning and growing. So I felt called to the ministry. So I kind of abandoned my objective and what I studied for. And that, that September of 1979, I started working with an African missionary organization uh, in Pasadena, California, and uh, right there in Lake Avenue. And so I was in charge of church relations. I was so excited. You know, I was just very young. I was 21 when I started, just turned 22 a few weeks later. But I remember I had a briefcase, and I was so proud of myself, had a, had a business card. And I thought, cool, man, I, I got a business card with my name. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing, didn't, didn't have a clue about really nothing. But I remember I was getting paid $800 a month, and uh, I was glad to have a job. And um, um, anyway, they started the next month flying me around with African leaders. So I remember going up to uh, San Francisco and meeting these heads of these 
um, like Fortune 500 companies and working with these like foundations trying to get grants to help Ugandan refugees. This is at the time of Idi Amin's horror and rain uh, in East Africa. So I would go up to, you know, I'd fly around, and then I'd go to Boston, and then I'd go everywhere and, and uh, with these African leaders, and, and I was just, I'd carry their bags, really. That's about all I did. But, uh, but I would go in the meetings. I was like, you know, the point person, the point guy, and, and I'm sure everybody that looked at me knew I didn't knew, know what I was doing, and uh, we all knew it. But anyway, um, uh, so I did that for a couple of years. In 1981... We were invited to D.C. for the presidential prayer breakfast. And the night before that, there was, a, there was like a meeting there at the Hilton in Washington, D.C. in this, this banquet room for about 120 Christian leaders. And somehow I got the invitation with this African leader. And I went in this room and everybody was like a household name of the evangelical type world and you know, Lauren Cunningham and, you know, Billy Graham and all these, all these just famous people, Luis Palau, all these people and, and just everybody knew. And suddenly I felt so diminished. I, I, I felt very, very small. I felt like, what in the world am I doing here? I was so shy. I still am quite shy, but I didn't, I didn't know, you know, what to say or what to do. So I thought, I, I shouldn't be here. This is a mistake. Um, there's, there's no need, how, how do I, but I'm hungry, I need a meal, so how do I, uh, how do I at least get the meal out of there? So I found, I found a, a table in the far corner of the room, because it was open seating, and everybody's mingling, talking to each other, you know. I just went to the farthest table and sat down and just kind of looked down and said, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? I don't know why I'm here. I don't know anything about what I'm doing. Uh, this, this overwhelms me. It's all these people who are powerful people, and they, they, they know they don't need me. They don't need my company. So I was having a very good pity party over in the corner, really demeaning myself, not knowing that I'm a gift to the world. So while I'm over there, Suddenly, I hear a voice over my shoulder and said, uh, may I sit with you? And I turned around, and it was Billy Graham. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I started speaking in tongues. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, yes, sure. So Billy Graham sits at my left. So at my table, it's me and Billy. And then, um, because people saw Billy sit with me, everybody thought I was very, very special. <laughs> so then uh, Luis Palau comes and he asked me, may I, may I sit with you? I said, uh, of course, Luis. <laughs> and then Lauren Cunningham comes over, can I sit with you? I said, sure, yeah, have, right, right over there, not there. I want you right there. And anyway, so... The table was full of really the big names and a no name. And uh, so I'm just sitting there listening to these guys talk. I'm, I'm not saying anything because I know nothing. And uh, while, while we're there having the meal, um, there was one single stand, standalone mic in the front of the room. And 
Billy Graham said, you know, I know they're going to ask me to say something. I said, oh, okay. And then he said to me, he said, do you know in the Bible? Now think, he's, he's asking me for advice. <laughs> Billy Graham says, do you know in the Bible where it says, you know, not to bite and devour one another? And I said, well, Dr. Graham, uh, that, that one I think is in the New Testament. You know, you have a 50-50 shot, Old Testament. <laughs> so I said, that's, that's, that's in the New Testament. I gave Billy Graham good advice. I never led him astray. Anyway, then Lauren Cunningham piped up. He said, oh, that's Galatians 5, 16. Look at the Bible says here. Galatians 5, 16. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Because the preceding verse talks about by love serving one another. See, if you don't know you're a love gift, you won't serve one another. You'll always have your own agenda, your own ways. You know what I found in letting the love of God just kind of consume me? I, 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 I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not as... Um, when it comes to human relationships, I, I, I have a little more yield to me. I have a little more yield to me. I guess that's the best way I can say it. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. You know, we live in a world where everybody's consuming everybody. We live in the, where the body of Christ, people consume one another and seem to enjoy it, you know. They bite on one another, devour one another, and they feel proud about themselves. I really told them. I really, really let them have it. I know I'm right. Yay for me. But uh, in the end, I think it's a, a very detrimental, very, very, very damaging thing to, to, to what Jesus wants to do in the hearts and lives of people. It's very, very easy to tell everybody what they're doing wrong. It's very, very easy. You know, it would have been very easy for me to tell this couple, go through the whole list of why this guy is a loser in his marriage. You know, I had a long list just in my head. I could have gone through the whole thing, but I didn't. You know what I yielded to? Because I know he couldn't hear it. I said, if I can get him back to be astonished with the love of the Father. If I can teach people to be loved by the Father, they can finally understand the truth about themselves like the woman at the well did with no fear or no tarnishment to their life, but just a freedom, a flowing, a forgiveness, a newness of life. And so I think we need to come to a place, friends, where we just allow the Lord to do what the Lord can do and know that he can do it very well. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed one another. Friend, you're a gift to the world. You really, really are. And my hope for you, my prayer for you, is that you just get so enthralled with the Lamb of God, that you understand that God gave Jesus as a gift to you. Everything you are spiritually is based on him, 100%. Friend, it's all grace. It's all grace, and I like it that way. I, I've learned, though, you know, that I can cooperate with the love of God. I can be effective. I can do things. I'm doing more things now, naturally, but it's, it's, it's all propelled by, by the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels me because I've made a judgment. If one died, then all have died.
All have died. And this is the beauty of believing, knowing that everybody's been included in the love of the Lamb. His death, his burial, and his rising, and announce the news of the redeemed innocence, independent of this house, based in Christ. And then finally, you get, you get, uh, you get, you get people who will be astonished. And the people who are the good old boys, the, I mean the tough guys, man, we, we just see the, the love of God just breaking people down. And it's the most beautiful thing. This is what we're finding in our mission work around the world. This is what we're finding working with all these beautiful refugees. Family. Let me tell you one other story, then I'm going to pray for you and turn the service back to my brother. But uh, um, when I was there a couple weeks ago in Lebanon, there was a family of 30 people, refugees. And they live in this refugee camp uh, in this tent. And they're all now undercover believers. Now, they all dress in their Muslim, you know, the ladies and all their Muslim cultural, uh, you know, clothing and all. But they're born again and filled with the Spirit. Their daughter, who's 13, stood up and talked about an evangelist. My goodness. This young lady is full of the love of the, the Father and the fire of God. And so, anyway, we're, we're sponsoring now this family of 30. We're getting a big tent for them where they all can live really comfortably and, uh, in this area. And they're going now into these refugee camps uh, undercover, announcing the news of the love of Christ. So God's doing great things all over the world. So don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be discouraged. And let's just continue to know that God's going to work all things out for his good pleasure. Did you all enjoy the word this morning? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hey, and as service is dismissed, I'm going to pray for you before we go. But uh, uh, I did bring some materials back in the back. Here's one called Share the Love, Communicating the Message of the Cross in Word and Deed. You'll like it. They're all three CD series. Here's one called Miracles Grow. Uh, you'll like this one a lot, just on, on the grace of God and rescue uh, the heavenly bailout uh, program. What you find in Christ, you'll find uh, very much a blessing. And then, of course, my book, Beloved, or Be Loved, and uh, enjoying the place where you belong. So everything is 50% off. Everything back there is just $10. So if you'd like some material to bless you or your family or a loved one, that is for you as well. Put your hands on your heart. Would you do that, please? Father, these are your kids. Let their hearts be refreshed today. Let them believe that a gift is given that they can't calculate. Let them not be afraid of it. Let them not try to measure it. Let them just experience it. Father, I ask that every person within the sound of my voice would understand that they are loved completely. There's no disappointment in the Father concerning them. They are loved completely. Let them know today that they are favored and favored abundantly. Not just a little bit of favor, but they have full favor with the Father. It's an abundant favor. Help them right now just to receive the love of the Father. Help them right now just to receive the favor of God. And Father, I ask that you help them know that they're blessed and they're blessed abundantly. Blessed eternally. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in each of our lives. Thank you that the Holy Spirit always quickens and witnesses your ways, your, your will, your word. Thank you that your word can be hidden. The living word, uh, the, the, the word of Christ uh, 
can be hidden deep in our heart, that we can stay thrilled with the gospel, that we don't need to be overwhelmed, we don't need to live depressed, we don't need to stay frustrated, we don't need to live angry, we don't need to fix everything, we don't need to fix everyone. Thank you, Jesus, that we can trust you. We can rest in the love of the Lamb. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're working in our loved ones. You said if, if, if we believe in you, if we trust you, that you would work with our whole household, that you would cover the household, that you would rescue the household, that you would save the household. So we pray for our extended families. We pray for our spouses, our kids, our grandkids. We pray for our world, Father. Let there be a, a revelation of the love of the Lamb. Let God's love in Christ, the, the indescribable gift of Jesus, be, be present. Let it influence people like the woman at the well. Let it, let it bubble up where there's radical shifts and radical change and radical thinking uh, develops just through the experience of a love of God we can't calculate. A love of God we can't fully define, but we know when it holds our heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your finished work. Thank you that you were obedient to the cross. Thank you that the obedience of Jesus is good enough for me. Thank you that I have faith in the Lamb. Thank you that all of us have faith in the Lamb of God today. We just praise you, Father, for what you're doing in each of our worlds and in our world at large. We bless Pastor Mike, Beth, Father, the whole family. We bless all the leadership, Father, this church. We bless our country. Lord Jesus, help our leaders. Help our leaders to look to you. Help our leaders to understand your love for them. Help our leaders to make decisions based on the finished work of Christ. And we just thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God is good, amen? You guys, don't forget uh, to stop by and love on Brother Keith. He's amazing. He's always, uh, always is a blessing to have him here with us. Uh, his book I, got, I bought last year, Be Loved, and it really changes your heart. You guys, go pick it up back there. Stop by, love on him this morning. Don't forget, we do have prayer tonight at 5 o'clock. Next 6 o'clock, come join us again. Brother Keith is going to minister at Healing School. Before you leave service this morning, when you hit the coffee shop, take a right and get your butts into evangelism training this morning. Let's go be a gift to the world. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great night or a great day. What is it? Have a great day. Go enjoy some lunch. We love you guys.